it kind of started when I was when I was a kid. You know, I mean, I was uh, I was raised with my grandparents growing up. My my grandfather, you know, he was you know from the greatest generation, of course. You know, World War II, Vietnam, Vietnam Korea. You know, so he's he's been around the world. You know, so I remember sitting as a as a kid, just you know, in admiration at some of the stories he would have. You know, from far off places. And of course, there were war stories. You know, but but to uh, to a young mind or pressure boy, it just it just kind of incites this uh, this, this sense of longing for what else is out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome back. I know that you have Wednesday Circled, and Wednesday Circled is because of me, your host, Andrew Dupy, host of the Leaders Talk podcast. And this week, I am very excited to have with us James Fountain. Now, this CV is going to be absolutely amazing. James is a globally-minded visionary leader who believes in the power of business to address today's largest environmental and social imperatives. With more than two decades of experience in sustainability, ESG, and strategic consulting, he has become a beacon for organizations seeking cross-business leadership in this crucial endeavor. He inspires tangible growth while advocating for environmental justice, sustainability, and social equity. And this is really interesting, ladies and gentlemen. James has held influential positions, including roles with the Big Four, and he has a tenure with the National Geographic Society and the United Nations. Uh, James, in those roles, is also a member of the Explorers Club and a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society. James, wow. <laughs> well, I feel uh, I feel kind of out of my element with that. That's amazing stuff. So well, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, Andrew, first of all, thank you for inviting me to the show. It's, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be, to be oh, here. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, it's been it's been a journey, you know, for sure. As <laughs> you kind of sort of keep it, you know. Well, geographical society, I think you're I think you're well equipped for journeys. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it all really kind of started when I when I was a kid. You know, I mean, I was uh, I was raised with my grandparents growing up. My my grandfather, you know, he was you know from the greatest generation, of course. You know, World War II, Vietnam, Korea. You know, so he's he's been around the world. You know, so I remember sitting as a, as a kid, just, you know, in admiration at some of the stories he would have, you know, from far off places. And of course, there were war stories, you know, but, but to, uh, to a young mind or pressure boy, it just, it just kind of incites this, uh, this, this sense of longing for what else is out there. I you know growing up in a, you know, in a small town in Ohio, you know, you, you very much, you know, you very much want to see what the rest of the world is about. So that, that's kind of where it all started, you know, and then I uh, spent some time, you know, guiding mountaineering out in the West, Western United States, you know, through up and down the, uh, Rockies, the Cascades, you know, and that, that uh, eventually went to college. I didn't start school till I was, you know, my early 20s, you know, and then um, found geography. Just geography just felt like a natural fit to me. You know, I had a very influential professor at, uh, at a community college in, in Dayton, Ohio, and he kind of incited that in me. You know, so since then, it just, it just kind of took off, you know, so I got, a, got an internship in National Geographic Society that turned into a, a small mapping gig, you know, then with the... Um, Grad school, you know, when I went to grad school, I focused on cultural geography, you know, mm -hmm. at the University of Montana, and uh, that led to uh, that led to a role with the United Nations. And I was stationed in, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo you know, for a while, so I was doing work okay. out there, working uh, mostly in, in some GIS work, you know, with some contingencies from Uruguay, uh, mapping some of the um, destroyed infrastructure, you know, from from the warring factions out there. You know, and just again, this one thing kind of led to another. You know, and I came back because of the work I did. You know, I mean, earlier work I did for my, my graduate work. I, I did research in Pakistan, Nepal. Um, yeah, Pakistan, most of the Hindu Kush, Karakoram, Himalaya region. You know, and I, I studied a phenomenon called glacial lake outburst flooding. You know, and it, it's basically long and short. It's just you know, with global warming and climate change happening, you know, our glaciers are melting faster than they have in the past, and they're they're creating yeah. these 
these uh, supra and interglacial lakes in the mountains. And when one of those, when the, one of the ice blocks break, it sends a bunch of water down the valley and floods out communities. Um, Accenture found me. You know, I, I had a I had a um, I had some experience in glacial lake outburst flooding, and they needed somebody who knew a little bit about that workout in Seattle, and just kind of all went from there. So, and then here I am, video now, video uh, as a one of the leaders in their sustainability initiatives. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the concept of global sustainability. Maybe for some in our audience that just haven't really, you know, they may have heard the name, they haven't really looked into it very much. Uh, kind of break it down for us what that really, what that term means and what that means for uh, your business and the world. Sure. Yeah. Sustainability. I mean, they, most, most organizations go by the definition the United Nations has put together. And the United Nations has developed some you know, sustainable development goals around these initiatives. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, it just in its most simple term, you know, it, it's, it's not using any more resources than what we can replace, you know, right. for, for longevity, you know, so that, that's a gist of it, you know, and it, it's, it's a, uh, you know, through through the last several decades, especially especially since the industrial revolution, you know, we have been we as in humans, you know, have been uh, not doing that. You know, we, we have been ex extracting more resources than we can replace. You know, and then um, carbon is another situation too, where with, with climate change and global warming, um, you know, we're, we're uh, we, we found ourselves in a situation now to where the Earth is heating at a rate that is not sustainable for human life. Right. So. That's that. That's the you know most of the buzz you hear around sustainability right now is really centered around those two concepts around mostly bi biodiversity loss and climate change. Those are yeah, and I mean that it, that's definitely something <laughs> that affects absolutely everybody. Um, and, and just the fact that a lot of people don't really understand the what those two things have together, you know, the, the idea of resources and the fact that we are in a massive loss of our global biodiversity. Uh, how important is it to educate people to understand better what these kind of terms uh, mean to all of us? Oh, it's critical. That's critical. I mean, you know, Andrew, as much as I'd love to say, you know, that I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to go forth and I'm, I'm going to save the world, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, I can't do it. You can't do it. No, your organization can't do it. My organization can't do it. It takes the collective. You know, this is, we're in a situation, you know, a lot, you know, sustainability has two main, uh, has a main paradigm called systems thinking. That I, it, it's, it's exactly what you think. It's kind of figuring out how all the systems of a, all the parts of the system fit together. What happens when you remove mm -hmm. one of those? When you add one of those, how that changes things. But another part of that is interconnectedness, you know, and um, inter interdependence, you know, so we are all interconnected. You know, what, what impacts you impacts me ultimately. You know, the, 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 the work that, um, the, my actions have an impact upon you as well. You know, so, so as it, globally, as we're, as, as we're, Long or short, sorry to ramble on this part, but oh no, go ahead. Yeah, but the, you know, we have to act together. Is, is really what it is really what I'm getting at. You know, since we are all interconnected, we have to understand that you know what we do impacts each other, and that that goes everybody from from New York to the most remote area in Bhutan, everywhere in between. And I think that that's really important to understand that we are all in it together. You know, one of the things that differentiates us. Uh, you know, when you go back and look at evolutionarily, the common ancestor and, and why did why did humans win over things like uh, other other like the gorilla and the ape that were much or, or, uh, or the chimpanzee, which were much stronger. It was the idea that when the predator came into our our uh, 
our, our cave, our society, we fought them together. <laughs> we yeah. didn't leave anyone behind. It We're was so we, we got the sticks, we got the rocks, we dealt with it. That was a microcosm of what humans began the, to do to build their society, then to build civilization and, and to build walls and to, to do all that. We've lost a little bit of that. <laughs> we, we've kind of out thunk, thought ourselves. I don't out thunk doesn't sound like a, a very good term, <laughs> but we've outthought ourselves a little bit, haven't we? In 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 how we're we're viewing our responsibilities to each other in many ways. Yeah, I, I think I think that's true. And in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, humans are social animals. You know, we right. we we do depend upon each other. You know, and we could probably spend a whole a uh, whole entire podcast episode exploring the pathos and the ethos of yeah. <laughs> how that works and then why that works. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think technology, I mean, I mean, as good as technology is, I mean, everything has, you know, everything has a add, everything has a subtract, you know, every, every, everything is in balance, right? So um, as, as good as technology has been for us, I mean, there, there has been some, some downsides. I, I think technology has kind of, um, helped enable that separation i think that you're describing a little bit and again right, we've yeah. wanted that for, for a long time but <laughs> no absolutely but that kind of leads me to the then you know the educational part of everything how yeah. do you stand out when you look at all there are a lot of voices that are trying to bring more attention to this kind of subject and basically trying to uh save the world <laughs> as, yeah. as you had said it by uh, through education. So, what are ways in which you have been able to take your message and reach larger audiences? Well, this is one of them, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And in publications, you know, part you know part part of that too. Again, it's it's you know, I I speak at some universities, University of Montana. I I, I guess speak there from, from time to time. Um, but but writing, you know, right, writing is, is really where I'm going at right now, you know, and it's it's I'm, I'm taking I'm currently in the middle of a four series um, book, a four series, four, four book series on on sustainability, breaking it down different parts. And um, I recently published, a, well, hope to be publishing soon, a, a chapter <laughs> in a book by Leaders Press on persuasive leadership and sustainability, yep. you know, um, that I'd love to get into a little bit too. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's really just kind of it's really championing you know every, taking every opportunity you have to, to champion the message of sustainability. Again, again, it's you know it's so easy to just get back and if you're a skeptic and say, oh, James is just another one of those tree hugging hippies, just let, let them go go out there and rant. And but no, it, it's an imperative. You know, it, it it really is an imperative. It's not just an ethos anymore. We're we're, we're past that. You know, it, it's in the business sphere now. It's in it's in our daily lives. I mean, you know, we see it. I mean, no matter where you are, you've seen the climate change. It's it's happening. Um, so just taking every chance I have to, to to talk about it. You know, one of the areas that I think that one of the approaches that I like to explore more, I think, than others is is, is just uh, is really about trying to find more of a holistic approach to climate change. You know, so through some of my travels. You know, another effort that I'm doing right now, I'm traveling all around the world, like some of our most remote communities and some um, and working with some indigenous folks and, and learning from them, you know, trying to see how climate change has impacted their lives, you know, climate change, biodiversity loss, global development, and learning from them. And, you know, what I've learned is there's so much value in indigenous knowledge and indigenous wisdom that we often don't look at as solutions to the climate change. You know, so uh, bring, bringing the indigenous voice into the collective approach toward climate mitigation strategy, I, I think is going to be um, critical forward. Because you know, these, 
these communities have been stewards of the earth for eons. They already know how to do it. They've been doing it. You know, it's just, uh, they've got a lot to add that we don't always kind of listen to. So, you know, I, the, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the leaders for the anthology that we're putting together. And yeah, that was why we found you. I mean, we literally were looking for people that had interesting, good ideas that we're trying to persuade. That's the whole concept of persuasive leadership is, you know, how do you persuade someone, especially when there's a, a topic that, I mean, you shouldn't see pushback on this kind of topic, but there is a lot of pushback out there. So, so why did you, why did you choose to, when we reached out to you, to go forward with uh, the kind of the small form, the anthology, rather than, you know, continuing to do your work and maybe build for way down the line a, b a bigger book? Yeah, well, great question. I mean, but, but you know, it's it's really the topic of the book, persuasion. I mean, persuasion, you know, per persuasion and leadership, generally speaking, I, I think is so important. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's one of those arts that we just, it's, it's one of the soft arts we don't really think about a lot, you know, that we, that we need, but, but it's really critical to be a successful leader especially in sustainability and it's especially right. especially in the climate to where you know you know the the immediate return isn't always apparent you know it, you, you have a lot of skeptics you know in sustainability who uh who don't really understand the value you know i mean like a typical skeptical excuse me a typical skeptical response to sustainability that questions the need feasibility and return on investment of sustainable practices you know, to these skeptics, sustainability might seem like an inconvenient, costly detour. You know, it's sustainability oftentimes, you know, at least in uh, up until very recently anyway, it seemed more as a cost center rather than a profit driver. I think we need to reframe this narrative, you know, and, and reframing that narrative in a positive light, one that is more profitable toward business is, uh, is going to require, um, at least for the short term, you know, it's, it's going to re require fairly well-developed uh, persuasive skills. You know, yeah. and in this anthology, it was an opportunity for me to kind of get that message out. So saying like, look, as sustainability leaders, you know, as leaders, as leaders, even who are not in sustainability, who are, who are bringing sustainability into their practice, you know, we need to know about persuasion. We need to know how to persuade leaders in our organizations and those who report to us on one, why sustainability is important, you know, and, and how to build a more sustainable enterprise. That, that, all, that leads me to, you know, the, the, thought here this isn't a subject or really a subject that we can uh take time on <laughs> we're it's not really something that we can say oh well you know maybe i'll put that that my book that's going to actually maybe change some minds convince some people open some eyes 10 years down the line you know let me let me just take some time and work at it 10 years down the line we're going to be in a much worse situation now <laughs> then than we are now if we continue down the paths that we're continuing down Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, it, it's, you know, that's the thing about, you know, this current environment too, you know, oftentimes sustainability, you know, in ESG, environmental, social, and governance, that, that's another area I work in. It, it's really kind of a, um, they're, they're very well related. They're very much related, but ESG, environmental, social, and governance, or corporate governance, it's really kind of, it's where, it's like the reporting side of sustainability in a sense. I, I'm, I'm grossly oversimplifying it, but you know, that that's a gist of it, but you know they're they're really closely tied to risk management and systems thinking. Mm -hmm. you know, I mentioned systems thinking earlier. You know about you know bringing and bring in a component to a system, thinking something out, and understanding how that impacts the entire system. You know, amid challenging economic conditions, you know some companies relegate ESG risks and instead prioritize what they see as you know business as usual. The, you know these business critical issues. It's a false trade-off. You know right. ESG risk is a critical issue. 
And that, that's the message we're trying to get out. ESG and sustainability, they are very critical issues right now. And they're a significant source of both threats to business continuity and opportunities for value creation. You know, and that's that's a message that that is, I think, starting to permeate, you know, through through the business sphere. It, it's starting to catch on, but that's really the message we're trying to to portray. Because in the end, an organization is a system, and the health of that system relies on prudent and consistent monitoring, measuring, and mitigation of environmental, social, and government risks in any market condition, not just the bottom line, you know, not 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 just shareholder value. Those ultimately lead to shareholder value. Mm. So. If someone that has actually, you know, worked with the United Nations, I'm sure you've got some interesting ideas about how you persuade people. Because I mean, I, I you know, I my degrees are in history and English, so back I've studied <laughs> the uh, the formation of of like the League of Nations, the United Nations. A lot of times it's like herding cats <laughs> when you're trying to actually get uh, those bodies to 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 agree on something. So. What are some tricks that you have just as someone who is a, a global leader in how that you can make persuasive arguments that may persuade people that have even other uh, issues that are holding them back from embracing these kind of ideas? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's um, I, I can tell you what's worked for me. I mean, I, I think most sustainable leaders and, and their and their field may have their own tactics, but what's worked for me is, I mean, it, it's uh. You know, one is it's recognizing, you know, coming someone coming from sustainability into the business sphere. You know, it, it's re recognizing that paradigms, you know, uh, at executive leadership are not always aligned, you know, with, with what um, has historically and traditionally been deemed as sustainability. So it, it's really kind of coming in with that open mindset, you know, the beginner's mind, you know, one might say. And and under, and trying to connect the dots, trying trying to bring your past into sustainability, knowing what needs to happen for the environment, you know, and for business, because that's again, without business, none of this happens. Right. Period. With, without the money to, to to fund the initiatives, technology doesn't happen. Without the technology, right where we we're, we stay right where we are. So business is critical to that, and so it's it's really coming in with that authenticity, you know, being being as authentic as you possibly can. Know, and not being afraid to show your passion, you know, I mean, people in sustainability, you know, I think we're, um, the, the stigma is that we're an overly passionate group, you know, and, and I think that becomes, you know, and it's you know, I justified, you know, and I, I throw myself in that camp too, I get, you know, my, my colleagues, you know, kind of, kind of jab me over here and there for being so passionate as it is, but, you know, it's something that's, it's so important to what we're doing, you know, and by, if you can sincerely convey, you know, your passion, you know, the realities that we have or that our client is facing, you know, and also the business value. Again, I mean, I, I gotta keep driving back to that point, the business value of sustainability in, in the industry consulting can bring um, to, to an organization. Just, just, just knowing the value of those and speaking the opportunities is changing the narratives, you know? Um, you know, it's it's not coming in with, with doom and gloom saying, oh, we're all gonna die in a fiery hell, you know, if you don't change your way. <laughs> Finding, finding a way to say the same thing, but but in a way that's a little bit more uplifting and, and more uh, encouraging people to act, you know. So yeah, it, it's, because you're, you're you're absolutely right, and that's uh, we need to be looking at the benefits <laughs> that we'll have. Right. It, it's, it's, it goes back to the, the to fighting against the predator in the cave. The benefit right. is that that predator doesn't come and take one of our children off and and has dinner with them um, or on them. Uh, but in this situation, it's, it's not just the fear of it. It's also, you know, what then builds from that kind of communal uh, society. It isn't just 
fighting off the predators, saving your individual life or saving the life of someone you care about. It's also then, well, now we understand how to work together. Now that we work together, we can begin to build things together. So it's a little bit better to say what the benefits are than to just, well, and I don't want to make Greta Thunberg sound terrible, but just sit in front of someone and just say, how dare you? That doesn't always really make a lot of, uh, make a lot of headway, does it? Well, I mean, again, it's, and this is one more reason, you know, that um, I wanted to be part of the anthology, because again, it's about telling the story, you know, and storytelling yeah. is critical, you know, it's, uh, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to butcher a quote for you, I can say. Okay, you know, go for it. Like Hotel Rwanda, you know, it, it's a really good movie, I haven't seen it, it's um, Don Cheadle from, a long oh yeah, movie. yeah, fantastic film, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, long was short, you know, it's like um, it, it's about the atrocities that happened in, in Rwanda and Burundi. So it's, it's a massacre that happened. And and there's there's a, a guy on camera filming all these atrocities. And the the protagonist at one point says, you know, so I'm I'm so glad you're filming all this, you know, now the whole world can see this in the world will act. Well, another another character says, Yeah, yeah, I I think the world will say it, and they'll say, Isn't that sad? And go right back to eating dinner, you know, because it's not relatable. You know, I, I think part of the story we have to tell, we have to make it relatable to people. If they don't understand how it impacts, you know, themselves and their loved ones, their community, you know, if they don't, if they don't get the gravity of it, I mean, you can, to your point, you can sit there and, and pounce on the head and you shall recycle. You know, you need to be involved in a circular economy. You know, you, you should stop driving your car when you can walk. You know, I mean, that's not going to really impact anybody. You got to make right. it relatable, make people understand why it's important. You know, the answer the why for them. Again, that goes back to the persuasion. You know, you, you have to show them. And it's not persuasion to be, to be manipulative. You know, it, it's persuading to incite action for good. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit here as we kind of start to, to head towards the winding down portion. I, Ladies and gentlemen, before we were talking here, James let me in that uh, this was the first one of the podcasts that he's been on, kind of a big. He said he was a little bit nervous. He's doing fantastically, by the way. Um, and, you know, I know that you're, you're heading into writing and beginning to, you know, talk about getting an anthology and maybe potentially writing uh, uh, long form books uh, in the future. How did you overcome the, the blocks, the obstacles in your mind to perhaps doing those? You know, maybe the stage fright, maybe the fright of writing something that people aren't going to like, because I think that's something that holds back people that have big messages that they just feel like, well, I don't know if I'm the person to say these kind of things. Totally. Yeah, that, that's actually, for me, that, that's the complete hardest part. You know, it, it's uh, yeah. imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think, I think yep. it's what we have heard before, you know, and that's, that's forever. I was like, okay, but, you know, this is something I really, this is a story I want to tell. This is, this is something that I, I really want to get out there, but am I the right person? You know, I mean, it's like, am I qualified to write this? You know, especially what I, you know, I mean, one of my, one of my deep interests is in indigenous knowledge and disinfection. I'm a white guy from Ohio. You know, in Puerto Rico, I live in Montana. Who, why am I the right guy to talk about that? And finally, I realized, you know, it, it, a lot of it is allyship. You know, it, it's like I, I can be, and there's a line, I can cross the line, but, you know, um, a lot of it is, is you know, using whatever platform you have, big or small, to to speak for good, you know? So, and when, once I finally came to that conclusion, once I finally came to it, it's like, yeah, why not me? You know, it, it just, it was, it was a process, you know? And it happened through... Um, Speaking with mentors, you know, speaking with coaches, mm. um, close friends, long runs, you know, for just self-contemplation or reflection. Um, eventually, just you know, through through my community, you know, I was encouraged. Like, yeah, James, you are the right person. You can do this. Go for it. Write it. And I started. Yeah, and I think there's also 
uh, one of the things that I like to think about is like, imagine what will happen if you don't do it. Now, think yeah. about the situation. What, what you, you can think of all the bad things that might happen to you if you do. But what if you don't? What if you just say, you know, my message isn't isn't going to be as important as somebody else's that may have more press, may have a may have a bigger footprint. So I'm just going to keep this to myself and, and keep it in my own lane. I think that there, there's something that people miss about, you know, not imagining the scenario in which maybe you have something that's going to actually benefit someone. Why would you keep that to yourself? Yeah, spot on. You know, and as, as you know, as you kind of articulated in my bio at the beginning, I'm, you know, I might be a little prone to suffering from a little bit of FOMO. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that is what an insider for me, too. But, you know, and, and that's the other part that was so challenging for me, too, you know, because I had always been appro- approaching it as like, I have to have the message. I have to have the, you know, the, the you know, it has to change, do all this big change. And another conclusion I came to, it's like, no, you don't. You don't have to answer all the problems. You have to make an impact. You know, if you make, if you impact one person and you incite that one person to change, you know, to ways or to write something that, that can inspire a lot of people to change, you know, that, that's, mm. that's worth it. You know, if you have that small message, you know, that, that insight that opens up a perspective for someone, it's like, oh yeah, I never thought about that. You know, it changes changes the way of being that, that can kind of snowball in, in helping others. That's worth it. So it doesn't have to be big. Small steps work. Count. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I usually ask kind of in the end for a, a golden nugget, <laughs> something that's very applicable, but I think you kind of hit it there, but I'll still give you the floor uh, just here as we're, we're wrapping up. You know, what would you like to leave with our audience? Just a thought for them to have that they that uh, maybe helps them understand a little bit better about, you know, your your philosophy of persuasion and, and how this works with especially uh, the topic that you're talking on. Yeah, you know, I mean, especially amongst the business leaders, you know, listening to this podcast, I mean, just you know, really understand that, you know, adopting a sustainability strategy or an ESG strategy does not have to be a cost to the organization. You know, there are a lot of studies out there, you know, there's a lot of research out there that shows how profitable it can be for your organization, you know, and know that by doing this, you know, not only are you keeping your stakeholders and your shareholders happy, maybe because you're innovating and and we're learning more and more about what is material to to an organization's business growth. Hint, it's not just the bottom line. Um, As as we learn more and more about that, there's a lot of value to adopting this from innovation to efficiency improvement to, to long-term value creation. Um, I'd be happy to talk with anybody about it in more detail. And to that end, uh, James, I know we got your, your chapter in our anthology, Persuasive Leadership, that's coming up very soon. But what are some other ways in which our audience can find you? Sure. Um, of course, I'm on LinkedIn. But james-fountain.com is one. So james-fountain is that one. <laughs> And uh, those are probably those are probably the two best ones. I, I do have a link, an LINQ profile as well, but the, they'll they'll lead you to the website and to LinkedIn anyway. Fantastic! And ladies and gentlemen, that link will be down below so that you won't have to enter those dashes manually. So just go ahead and click through, look a little bit more into James. Uh, James, uh, I always say this, but it's especially true today. We could go on <laughs> and on uh, about this, especially uh, it's a it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart as I'm being invaded by fire ants, as we discussed before. <laughs> yet another yet another ecological disaster <laughs> brought about through uh, through sometimes uh, our inability to to think about sustainability. <laughs> but uh, I was a real pleasure to speak to you. It was a joy, and we really wish you the best and. 
for all of our benefits, success in your endeavors. Andrew, it was an honor and thank you very much for the opportunity.